Hey everyone, um, you are listening to CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam Territory in Vancouver. I am Lua, and you're listening to the Arts Report. Um, this is my first time doing the boards um, ever. Um, I hope I don't mess up, but yeah. <laughs> I think compared to my first time, this is going to be incredibly smooth. Like, I think the smoothness of my first time for contrast was somewhere in the area of sandpaper. Oh, nice. <laughs> and we actually have a very smooth interviewee coming in. This is Camilo the Magician, who has a show coming up at the Norman Rothstein Theater. Camilo, how are you doing? Pretty good. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Hey, it's a pleasure. Now, one thing that really stuck out to me when we were talking about the interview, when we were, sorry, when we were talking, when we were looking over the press release of the mm-hmm. show was magic versus magic mm-hmm. with a K. Correct. Could you unpack that difference there? Because that's really sort of in the center. Yeah, that's the main reason. Uh, like that's like that's the number one question that everybody's been asking me about the show. And um, good to know we're original. The, sorry. Good to know we're original. You're original. <laughs> no, no, it's because everybody's like, like, what, what's with the K? Like, what's the meaning of the K? And uh, I will be able to give you our way right away. You have to see the show to understand why there is a K. But it is because I, I like to have the show. Usually, my magic shows have like a story behind. It's not like just uh, trick after trick. So the K is gonna come pretty much at the end of the show to to come up with the with the meaning of the show. And it's a very bold title, a very uh, sort of very dramatic monochrome on the picture there. And I got to say, one thing that's very interesting to note is that this is your 10th show. It is. And this is described as a bit of a departure for you because usually, or at least in your last show, your style was apparently uh, much more uh, traditional or classical Mm -hmm. in terms of magic. And I would just kind of like, I just kind of wonder what that difference constitutes and what are your favorite and least favorite parts of classic magic? Yeah, so like this show, like it's just been a lot of fun rehearsing for this show. Uh, so the past like 10 seasons, I guess, it was more of a close-up magic kind of thing. Uh, for a smaller venue than the last show was the classical magician with the top hat and the bow tie kind of thing. And we did like the cutting the woman in half and those ideas. But for this one is like, if, if I can just describe it in one word, it's just crazy fun. Like it's literally me on a stage doing crazy things. Uh, with just random objects like deck of cards, but cards that are not like ace, two, three, and four of clubs. They're just like pictures of different animals and words and light bulbs. Like it's literally, it's just a crazy show. Like that's what that's what I will say about my show this year. <laughs> that sounds, that, well, that sounds like a riot for one. <laughs> it is. And I got to ask about this because that you're obviously very aware of the sort of the traditions of magic. This mm-hmm. being your 10th show, you've certainly had enough practice. And... According to the press release, again, I keep referring to this because this is chock-a-block full of interesting stuff. Yeah. You performed your first trick at the age of four. Correct. <laughs> what was the trick and what was the context behind that? It was, so a uh, lady magician from where I'm from, from Colombia, taught me the, the, the trick and that's where I started. And it was just a basic magic trick that I think most people will know by now. Uh, I guess on YouTube you can find it. It's called the Four Robbers and it's with four aces. And uh, the idea is that you take four aces, you put them in different parts of the deck and then you tap the deck and they appear on the top by magic. And the funny thing about this is that the first time that I did it, I did it wrong because, uh, well, I was four years old, so I thought I tap and it worked, and I didn't pay attention to how it actually worked, the trick. So I did it wrong the first time. And <laughs> did anybody heckle you like, this kid is terrible? Absolutely. I have two amazing audience members who are my brothers, my <laughs> brothers and my older brother, and they were laughing, uh, but like you laugh, and then they just encouraged me, you know, just try it again, and then here I am. And what's it like being the kid that does magic? Oh, it's I guess it's awesome. It's, it's the best way to um, to like break the ice in any any other situation that you go. Like magic is the perfect way to just uh, start a conversation, uh, 
like for example English is my second language so when I moved to Canada I was able to talk to people with the cards like I didn't like that's where I learned how to um, communicate with people so being the kid that does magic is actually pretty cool and when did you come to Canada uh, about 15 years ago I was uh, yeah today's my birthday actually <laughs> so it 50 was years ago 15 <laughs> oh I thought for a second man you're I, looking amazing well that's the real trick <laughs> but I moved yeah I moved here when I was 14 I'm turning 29 today yeah well, I moved when I was 14 so you studied magic in Colombia before you came here uh, yes I did What's the magic scene like south of the equator? Because I think most of our audience probably doesn't really have a beat on that. It is different. It is different. It's, it's very interesting how, like, you will think that every audience is, will be kind of, like, the same. But uh, magic in South America is different, I will say, because I think it's more common. If you, like, really? once you get into the world of magic, you see there's a huge world out there, like any other um, art, I will say. Like, once you find it and you know there's a big world behind it. But with magic, I, I say that in, in, in Colombia, in South America, it's bigger. And it, there, is, there is more, I would say there's more magicians and there is more, um, th- there is more magic for, like, the parties and events kind of thing. Like, uh, like here, I think, it's more into the comedy and the theater kind of world in mm. North America. But, uh, but yeah, magic, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit bigger for, like, or more common, I will say. Is there, like, a, a place that's particularly associated with it? Like, up here, like, the huge magic shows are in places like Vegas. Mm-hmm. Is there the equivalent in South America? Mm, no, not really. The, th- the thing about South America is that, uh, well, South America we, is, like, is like our own little tiny world that uh, we have, like, own little world in South America. So, and we're all together in South America. So there's a lot of conventions, but they, they move from, from country to country, from Colombia to Argentina. So there's no, like, a specific place that you will go to see magic. We just move around with the other magicians in uh, in South America. And have have you? Did you do this? Did you did you do this circuit? Uh, no, no. But I was no because I was already here uh, when once I started doing like professionally. Uh, I've been in Colombia doing my shows. Like I tried to go. Uh, well, I haven't been there for like five years to do my show. But uh, I tried to go with the show uh, and do it in Spanish, which is different. But uh, but no, I was lucky enough when I was living there to see conventions. Don't like I was not. Part, like I wasn't the magician of the convention, but uh, obviously when I was growing up, I went to every single convention to see all the best magicians. Really, it was a lot of fun. Conventions, Conve- yes, yeah, conve- like so. It is usually is like a competitions for magicians, and then they also have like lectures for magicians, and then most of the time they have like shows for the um, audience to come and see the, the shows. That sounds like an amazing event. There's so much fun. It's like just like somebody, and then this is how you get the ace from that guy's pocket into that guy's nose. <laughs> exactly. This is the diagram. <laughs> Look very closely. You'll notice the leaflet has disappeared from your pocket. And imagine that, like, thousand people trying the same thing. They go, it's a lot of fun because there's a lot of people that go and uh, wanted to learn magic. Huh. That's interesting. I haven't thought of that. Like, for me, I'm trying to think of depictions of magic, mm-hmm. too, because the world of magicians has been kind of reflected on a little bit, but there's definitely an insularity to it because you got to, obviously, well, preaching to the choir here, but you got to keep your tricks relatively close to the vest. The movie that I'm sort of thinking of right now is something like The Amazing Burt Wonderstone. Mm-hmm. Is there sort of a, an archetypical magician, living or fictional, that you sort of look up to that kind of inspires you? Oh, many magicians, to be honest. Uh, like, I will say, for, for example... Um Copperfield being one of them, like he's just the biggest star in magic. But uh, there was a magician. My favorite magician is called Lance Burton, and uh, he used to perform also in Las Vegas, uh, the Monte Carlo Hotel. And like watching his shows is, I think, what what keeps me trying to become a better magician. There's also magician, but there's the thing about magic is that there's different type of magic. So there's like mentalist magic, big illusions, close-up magic. 
Uh, so if we talk about the magic that I like the most, it's Close Up. He's a magician from, from um, Spain called Juan Tamariz, and he's like kind of like the father of cards. So yeah, there's like different magicians that I really look up to, and they're like, well, right now, for example, Shin Lim, who just won American Good Talent. I don't know if you see him, but there's so many videos of him right now. He's like the sensation in the world of magic, and um, he's he's younger than me, and he's just like amazing. So there's a lot of magicians that I look up to. As a sort of a magic prodigy yourself, do you relate to that? What do you mean, like, uh, like being a young magician? Yeah, yeah. I well, that, that's well, that that's t- still changing. Like right now, I'm turning 29, so it keeps moving forward. But uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, I like to yeah, I like to just keep 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 growing, and hopefully, I get to share and teach my magic to the next generations. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I can imagine there's definitely a, a sort of lineage of tricks because you keep them to a degree secret. Absolutely. Well, that, but that's the thing. That, that, that's the good thing about that's the fun thing about magic. I will say that uh, every show is gonna be different. Uh, and because as a magician, you want to keep moving forward. That like you don't want to show always the mm-hmm. same effect to, to your audience because otherwise we'll be like, oh, we'll send this before. I don't want to see it again. So, but that's the fun thing. Like, is 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 that you want to keep going, keep keep growing, and keep changing the shows. That's like the oh, the prestige. The prestige. Yeah. I, I thought I, was, I thought about movies about magicians. I'm I thought like, you were gonna say that one. Burt I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's an interesting choice. I thought you were gonna say that one or the Illusionist. Like the uh, or like, the now you see me. No, I picked the one nobody remembers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good movie. The Prestige is an awesome movie. Uh, I actually have a well, I don't want to give any spoilers in case nobody sees it, but I have uh, I have a brother, <laughs> a twin brother. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's and just does that factor into your act? Uh no, I wish. No, we don't look in any possible way like brothers uh, at all. Uh well, um we look like brothers but not like identical twins. I have an older brother and we look like identical brothers. They held me in the back, like they held me but they they don't they don't come on stage. My nephews are identical twins and they used to do that when they're younger. Uh like they would pl- say, "No, I'm he, here. he's 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 wilder. He's Lockley. He's yeah. and they would confuse their it, it it wouldn't really work on their parents." But it would like I'm people? I'm the bad uncle, so it would work on me <laughs> like very frequently until they were like they're 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 like ten years old now, and I've I've just sort of gotten ha ah, I can't no, fool me. Yeah, Lachlan, <laughs> are you like the there's little there's little moments like that that are just quite funny. And one thing that I kind of want to go back to is telling stories mm-hmm. in the shows. What are some of the stories you've told, and what's one you'd really like to like from the past shows, like experience yeah. the shows. Oh, there's so many. Like the show started, are um, there are lots of fun. The shows, like embarrassing stories, I will say. This, this <laughs> is one of my favorite stories. I was doing a show where uh, where somebody um, picks a card, then they put it back in the deck. Then I ask the person to hold the deck with both hands, and the card is, is supposed to rise from the from the box. Like I don't touch it. I just say think on the card, <laughs> and then I ask this lady, could you please hold the box with both hands? And then she she just holding with one hand. I'm like, no no no, we need two hands, and she just doesn't do it. So I'm like pushing like come on lady like two hands and I do the movements I'm like it's in my accent or something that you like two hands and then she takes her arm out and she doesn't have a hand and it was a very awkward moment uh, doing magic but uh, of course I'm like well it works perfectly with just one hand thank you very much <laughs> the card just rises and uh and it worked but it is it is and it like it's embarrassing but it's 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 a story that I will never forget mm. that must have been so awkward <laughs> it was awkward <laughs> like the oh well just keep moving. It roll on. The show must go on. Exactly. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. Like you have to keep going. You have to be on your toes, always thinking ahead of like what's going to be the next movement. Uh, like so many things could happen on stage that are up to that you don't control. So, uh, so yeah. That, and actually, that's the thing that I love the most about performing on 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 like life. That uh, anything could happen, and you have no idea 
how is the audience going to react? You have no idea. I, I never like plant anything or I never uh, think in advance what I'm going to say or what I'm, who I'm going to bring on a stage. So, uh, and that's what I like because it's, 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 it's the unknown world on the stage. There's a spontaneity to it. Exactly. And it obviously takes a lot of craft to get to be able to be spontaneous with something as demanding as prestidigitation. Yeah, I guess you have to, you have to, like, you, you do, I, I do need to practice the, the, yeah, the, the movements of the hands and with the cards. Uh, but then, uh, but then it just becomes more, I think, I will say more with experience. Uh, that you just feel free, like like literally what I said before, like this show is about fun. It's about going on stage and just having fun. Uh, doesn't matter what's going to happen, but it's, as long as I have fun, I'm sure the audience is going to have fun. And um, and that's the beauty of it. I can imagine. Now, before we uh, before we wrap up, I do want to ask you a question here because there's uh, a beneficiary to the show is the Morkio B Foundation. Am, B, I, am, yeah. I, am I pronouncing that correctly? Morkio B, correct. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I was not familiar with this. Before. Absolutely, yeah. So Morkio B, we were actually doing uh, we were we, we were meeting with the family uh, Morkio B uh, on uh, like two days ago doing the video for the show that we're gonna show everybody about it. So every show that I that I do every year, most of the shows I uh, there's a benefit for for an organization. And then uh, for the past, I think, like five years, it's been more QB here in Vancouver. When I go to Victoria, I do another one, which is called Canvas. But here's more QB. And it's this family that I met, the priest family I met uh, about seven years ago. I did a gala for them. And uh, their kid, um, Stephen, has um, this uh, more QB that is that you, when both of the parents give like a specific kind of genes to, the, to their kid. And he does, he's not able to grow. So he's like his, his bones. So he has to have a lot of surgeries. And then uh, later on in his life is going to be affecting him. So actually here in UBC, they're, they're, they're doing most of the research. Like most of the money from the show will come to UBC to do a research about more QB and trying to find a, a cure or a way to keep progressing for, for the kids who have uh, more QB. And there's no way, there's is a relatively unknown ailment. So Absolutely, yeah. Like the, she, was, she was saying that the numbers are, it's crazy how uh, there's only, about, I think she said it's about like 60 people register with more QB. So um, in, in, ca in Canada? Canada, yeah. So I don't know like what's the number around the world, but it's like it's just like, 60 is a very small number. So it, there's not going to be a lot of uh, um, work or people pushing to, to find the, the cure, I guess. And people with this life-altering ailment. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, like just, just, but seeing this family is amazing how like she said like they, they, they told him that Stephen had more QB and uh, he's about 10, I think now. And when the doctors told him like, hey, like, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing you can do. Just go and live your life right now. And she's like, there's no way that I'm going to do that. So they started doing uh, these fundraisers to uh, to make it work. Yeah. Oh, sorry, we just had a small sound issue No worries. There. All good. <laughs> and just to be clear, uh, where can we catch this show? The more, the where and when? So when? So we start on Friday, this Friday. At the Nordman Rosen Theater is uh, Oak and 41st yep, at the Jewish Community Center. For those who are admirers of MTT, that's where MTT's last few shows have been. Fantastic. Um, and then so we have a show Friday, Saturday. Then I take a break one week and then we come back on the 29th and the 30th. That's a fun time. And you can find all the information on my website, CamiloTheMagician.com. And I, I always try to ask this question, but what would be your dream show to do? What would be my dream show to do? Uh, my dream will be to have a show at a hotel here in Vancouver every night. Um, and just, yeah, just perform my magic there. That would be my dream. Just to, like, not a big theater, just like a hotel for, like, let's say, maximum of 80 people a night and do that. That would be my dream. Play off the crowd. Yep. <laughs> That's a hell of a thing. 
well, we can help you get there and we can certainly help donate some proceeds to the More QB Foundation. So definitely check that out, Norman Rothstein Theater, 15th through the 30th. Um, any other remarks you'd like for our audience? No, please come and see the show and thank you very much for having me. Come and see the show. Enjoy some magic. Camilo, it was lovely to have you. Thank you. Um, and we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. I, I stole your thunder there, Lou. I'm sorry. When super giant pizza. Give me pizza. P I Z Z A. Give me pizza. P I Z Z A. It's been said that people disappoint, but pizza is eternal. That adage is being put to the test with Canadians weighing in on pizza, love, and slice etiquette. Six in 10 Canadians have some type of relationship deal breaker when it comes to pizza, but one in three have no pizza love limits at all. The top deal breaker was eating pizza in bed at 18% and closely behind was anchovies on pizza at 17%. Next up were picks the cheese off at 10, eats pizza with a knife and fork at 8%, uses too much garlic dipping sauce at 7%, puts pineapple on pizza at 6%, doesn't eat the crust at 6%, and eats it cold at 4%. So cuddle up on the couch and share some za and some love. No problem. And we're back! <laughs> Oops, guys. Sorry about that. Right. Uh, still trying to figure out everything. No, that's... <laughs> I'm, I still am. <laughs> and that was, that, was a fun, that was a fun interview, though, I gotta say. Because I... One thing I realized about this is that I... Like, uh, I can imagine the South American magic scene being a fascinating thing. I have no frame of reference for it. Hmm. Like, for phenomenons that are that large. I guess that's part of this show, you know, encountering those those uh, those ideas, and they come to they come to Vancouver a lot of the time, from all around the world. Actually, what VIDF is kind of about, really. What is VIDF? Vancouver International Dance Festival. We did some shout-outs for them last show. Mm. That, was, that was some interesting stuff. I believe they have troops from Japan uh, coming in. That's cool. Yeah, every year it's. Um Really amazing, and the cool thing about it is that um, a lot of the shows are actually free. Um, not there are certain shows, obviously, that are can be quite expensive, but there are a lot of shows that are free, like the one we, one of the director, the dancers that we interview yes. a few weeks back. Um, and, and it's pretty cool because you get to see this very different scene in mm. Vancouver. I mean, yes, Vancouver is known for producing movies, and there's a music scene and all of that, but the dance scene sometimes is left on the sidelines and it's pretty cool because this, this, this is like the once a year chance that you have to see these amazing shows for free you know and there's a lot of, like there's a lot of dance events that do happen in Vancouver I think I think our show can probably attest to that I can attest to that personally yeah just from from the shows that I that I've been going to well and like uh, one thing like well the, my example with this is always you'd never think Winnipeg and opera go together but Winnipeg is one of the <laughs> best opera houses in North America really um, very surprising. Yeah. Uh, like, they have a ballet, too, and a great orchestra. Not that orchestra. I thought that their opera is not good. I just have never thought that Winnipeg is the best I've insulted opera. entire religions on this show, so if we slag on the city of Winnipeg's <laughs> opera, I don't think we're going to have a problem. I mean, Winnipeg is great, but it's still Winnipeg. Uh, my apologies to the city of Winnipeg. I like you. Um, <laughs> Winnipeg also, you know, Winnipeg's produced some interesting stuff, though, like Guy Madden. 
you know i think street harder from there are they or street heart from saskatchewan but like there's things that you don't put together and i really do like that i like when there's these these like interesting scenes in the city and vancouver is a lot of that and i think for vancouver well the film community is a large part of it mm. and there's a lot that grows up in the wake of that but i don't think that there well there ain't no film community in winnipeg for one mm. and uh one thing that's interesting though that i i find very intriguing about uh how do you put this ar is coming in ar and vr and there's augmented a th- reality yeah and I actually didn't know that much about that for hmm. quite some time. But it, there's an email that we were sent by um, uh, an, an app company, I believe, that has created an AR app for the works of Joy Kagawa. Yeah, we were just looking at that. I wonder, do I have to wear, like, those special glasses to use that? Or you See, whenever I think of that, I think of They Live. You ever seen that movie? Pardon? No. They Live. I think that's it. The Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, he... So the plot of that movie is he finds these glasses that show him, like, the world as it actually is, which is actually controlled by aliens. Mm. Uh, Fun times. Yeah. <laughs> it's, th- there's a really long scene where Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David beat the... Sh- the... <laughs> <laughs> right. Look at me. I'm self-censoring. This is what public radio does to people, where Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David beat each other into, you know, the general condition of meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Um... But the glasses from that are what people remember. Sadly enough, a movie that uh, white supremacists have claimed is about Jewish media control. John Carpenter, who made the movie, vehemently disagrees with this because he is a sane human being. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that's what I think of when I think of AR. Interesting. This app isn't about that. Yeah. So (laughs) this app, uh, it's called... East of the Rockies, and it's a narrative AR, so it's not actually VR, so augmented reality. Which means the uh, layering so things that don't exist into reality, exactly. So plane of view. The there are three different types of other realities like this. Uh, there's VR, there's AR, and there's a third one. I cannot remember right there's now. A third one? There's a third one. There's a third one. Um, so basically, the difference is VR. Is when you're fully immersed. Mm-hmm. There's a complete creation of an entire world. What's the mm-hmm. third one? Like the third Spy Kids movie where they put you in a video game? <laughs> no, no. She wanted to make it up. No, uh, no, because I had to write an entire. I had to actually write uh, a VR game for one of my classes, and no we way. had to learn the differences between the three of them. And I can't remember the third one because it's not that commonly used. And so AR mm. is when you take reality and you add virtual things into it. So like Pokemon Go, is an AR game, not a VR game. Hmm. And I can't remember the third one. But anyway, That's this okay. is a AR hmm. game. It's actually a good example. Um, Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is, what What do you catch in this one? So this one is an AR. You don't catch anything. I'm sorry. Oh. It's a narrative story. <laughs> so um, it's about after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Okay. And... Um, I'm going to just read the story, the, the description. Can he, uh, so beginning uh, beginning after the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, and lasting until 1949, Canadian uh, Canadians of Japanese heritage were removed from their homes and businesses and sent to internment camps in the BC interior and to, farm, and to farms and internment camps across Canada. So yeah. it's basically taking that and... Um, you know, it's, it can be a, a very intense topics. However, one thing that is very cool is that this game is free for a limited time. So 
uh, after this Friday, you will have to pay to acquire it. But until then, it is free for download. So do so, like do download it. Um, even if you don't think you're going to play it that often, like give it a try. AR is something so cool. Uh, you really don't have a chance that often to interact with stuff like this for free. However, what made me really sad is that it's only for iPhones or iPads. Aww, it doesn't work for Androids. You killed my dream. Because um, yeah. I was trying to access it and I can't. That's too bad. But it takes so much time to develop for one platform. So I guess developing a game for two platforms at the same time is I, I guess. way too much work. Oh, okay. There we go. The story follows Yuki as she and her family adjust to the new reality inside of the Slokan internment camp. They experience good times as well as the bad as they work to make life inside the camp as normal as possible. Interaction comes from tapping, swiping, inspecting, and zooming in on key elements within each scene. Each interaction activates a piece of script uh, narrative. Spoken in first person, each line eliminates a different aspect of life in the camp as journal, as documented in J- Yuki's journal. Huh. So it's as if you are Yuki and you are kind of going through her journal. But what are the um, AR elements? Where do they come into play? I'm not entirely sure. I wish I could have access to the full game. However, I am an Android user. <laughs> um... So give us your iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a so it's a fifty to eighty minute experience. Uh, if you see, it's oh, I see the element. So basically, the element of AR comes from that. Um, y- it's going to you're gonna actually watch it from your phone. So like you'll at, like you have to allow it to use your camera. Mm-hmm. So have your phone out, and the internment camp will set itself up on your phone in whatever layer you have. So you know how, for example, on Snapchat, you can have like the little person dancing and you can put them like dancing on the floor or dancing on the table or that kind of stuff. Do you guys not know that? I don't have Snapchat. Do you see... Uh, guys. You see the you see your surrounding environment with this extra layer. With this of, extra layer, but mm. only on your phone. Obviously, it won't be <laughs> outside yeah, of your not phone. Yet, not yet. Not yet. One day, maybe. Um, but yeah. So basically, oh, I remember the third one. Uh, I can't remember what's the name, but it's basically holographic. Okay. So it's when you take um, the it's a it's a mash between the twos where you're still in the real world. However, you have taken that virtual aspect and fully put it into the real world and not only on a screen. Futuristic. Hanging out with Tupac. Like. Yeah, like <laughs> kind of that kind of situation. Okay. For instance. That's, uh, that's, that's out of all people, Jake, you're surprising me. Well, it's like I'm trying to think of like all other like it's a lot of musicians have been hologrammed into concerts. Right. Um. I mean, not only musicians, there's an entire modeling account that she is a robot. And she is, like, one of the most, like, followed Instagram famous people, like, in the world. They've done that with Instagram poetry, too. Uh, Oh, different thing, I imagine. But, uh, like, is she, so, like, a composite or, well, that's, brave new world. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) The... And this is this is not that a holograph for this would be a little intense. Uh, I got to imagine, like this is something where when it's this heavy content, I guess that does allow for a great deal of empathy. A friend of mine works in game design, and he was telling me because I don't game, but I understand. I definitely understand the value as a story because you can immerse yourself in it. And I think the potential for empathy there, like in that, is kind of amazing because they make you do it. Like, for a lot of things, you're a spectator. 
Um, like, for example, Taming of the Shrew. This is a roundabout analogy. But Taming of the Shrew is a really charming play, and then horrific domestic violence starts happening. Kind of a spoiler, but not really. Where there's a point where Petruchio kind of tells his friend, and by extension the audience, what he's going to do. And that's usually right before intermission. And you can play that, and they did this at Stratford, as him going, well, you know what's going to happen in the second act. If you come back, it's your fault. Well, And people have done that, and I think that's a really compelling way to play it. But still, they're spectators. Now, on the other hand, if you're in the position where you're directly involved, or if you're... I, I, I don't know how this works if you're forced to be in Petruchio's position in gameplay. I, I think that there's a whole series of issues about that, but the capacity for empathy when you're actually doing something, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and for this, I can only imagine, wow. I mean, I mean, AR for Japanese internment, you know, it's, it's a kind of a heavy proposition. I would think some people might think it's hilarious. I think those people are probably sociopaths. But there's, you know. I think it's a, it's an interesting premise, uh, it, engaging. It certainly is. Now, you probably forget about the, the backstory once you start playing. I'm just like immersed in that. Would you though? I don't know. I guess or like you don't think about it in the same way. I, I guess. In this game or? Yeah, b because you empathize. You don't think about it as a political issue. Like. Inside I don't think of that story. I think you, I don't think it's you're able to disassociate the political issues from because like literally, you're. It's about what happened to a group of people during the war. Like you can't disassociate. Like they are put in this position literally because they are Japanese or Japanese descendants. They could have been mm -hmm. Canadians for, I don't yeah. know, like fourth, fifth generation Canadians. That didn't matter, you know, like. Um, if you looked Japanese, if you were Japanese descendants during this period, um, you were put in these camps. And, like, that's not that a story so that terrible. people talk about very much. And, yes, there was a much worse um, well, tragedy that happened, like a, a full-on genocide that happened in Europe. But at the same time, like, the U.S., Canada, they aren't free of blame from um, some of these same ideas, you know? Like, the, yes, they were fighting, technically fighting against it, but they had their own intrinsic racism. Well, and, you know, when you look back on it, there are one being worse than the other doesn't make that one still any less bad. Like, just relative to each other. One thing I would say is that uh, Empire of the Sun was a show that kind of dealt with this. Sun, S-O-N. Um, the gentleman who did that show, he's, he's, at, he's at UBC. He was super charming. Um. Oh, I can't recall his name. <laughs> he was very good, though. He had um, that show also discussed that because his parents were interned, mm. and that probably doesn't leave you. Like that. That probably is something that kind of hangs over uh, one's one's life for the rest of it. When you have someone knock on your door, like you got to go away for a while. There's a multi generational trauma for sure that changes. Well, you know. I know this from a different <laughs> side. But, yeah, yeah, these kind of things, they linger through families and morph through generations. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I guess. Now an AR. <laughs> you know what? Uh, also talking about this uh, AR uh, augmented um, reality kind of things and tying into what you, the movie that you were mentioning earlier. Um, Which one? 
the one with, uh, what you said about the glasses that when you take the oh glasses, they live yeah pardon what was it yeah. they live they live I, I think there's an exclamation point have you heard about the congress with uh, Robin Wright no I haven't also well isn't that just House of Cards <laughs> no it's it's a movie and it's really reminds me of that because it's a world where everybody's taking these like um, pills that are augmenting their reality like actually the world is a terrible ruin everybody is like super impoverished and everything is you know a wreck but then when you take this, these pills everybody is like different characters in majestic world of colors and and you know delic- delicacies yeah. I like the terrible food tastes like a beefsteak dinner. Like the exactly like the pea is yeah. You yeah. have like the most meager fruits, but everything is. It just reminds me of that because it's also like um, an augmented reality where everybody is taken a part of, and then just when the the heroine is deciding to leave the reality to search for her son, she like experiencing how it really is. Kind of reminds me of how we're a lot of the times we're like stuck to our screens experience in a different reality than what is actually happening a lot of people have pointed that out in reference to things like brave new world i think mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny to look at what because timothy leary who was contemporaneous to that went from saying expand your mind with drugs to expand your mind with technology which is for the record a much lamer slogan though probably more accurate and Alduous, no, drugs are better to expand your yeah, mind. Yeah, <laughs> Alduous Huxley never lived to see like technology as we would know it. But mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they try to think about Brave New World now, will think about it in reference to technology. And I think the trend from psychedelics to technology is a line you can draw. Well, with that, we're going to take a second quick break. Um, if I don't mess this up, pop a couple <laughs> cats of DMT. <laughs> Oh my lord, I need a creative outlet. How on earth can I channel everything that's inside of me? You know you can do that at CITR and Discorder, right? Pardon me? Yeah, you can illustrate for Discorder magazine or take photographs of events and artists and they can teach you how to use Photoshop in their media lab. That is so exhilarating. It fills my soul with lightning. Yeah, just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever. I wouldn't miss it for the world. about fashion, we asked CITR student executive and fashion expert Jonathan Q what fashion means to him. Like, it's just aesthetically something that's so ostentatious. Typically, typically. I mean, because of course, I mean, it's also, you know, I mean, when, when you say fashion, I think people are talking explicitly about uh, consumerism 
as opposed to someone who buys like, uh, like you know. If you really want to know more about fashion, come on down to CITR in the Student Union Building of UBC and pick up some of our merchandise à la mode. Nous avons t-shirts, sweatshirts, socks, and coffee mugs. But it's also very aesthetically gripping. To keep you styling in support of the station you love. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Well, actually, is it? Because, I mean, you know, I was going to say because of the cultural vacuum that we exist within, but then, you know, uh, really, fashion today is kind of derived from the European idea of couture, and that's been around for centuries. Probably in red. Hello, guys, hey. and we're back. They are back. Uh, we, we the funny thing is we have this little thing of Christmas lights here. I think it's Christmas lights that like lights up in sequence, kind of like a, a neon serpent, and uh, it just did that randomly after we went to PSA break. And I'm like, I was kidding about the DMT. Can I can I just step back into? Uh, I read a very interesting article a few days back. Well, um, it's written by a guy who uh, was researching psychedelics and from like a social perspective back in Israel. And he was writing about how um, this is really tying into all that we talked about with like screens, augmented reality, and um, I don't know, fake perception of life. So what he said is that uh, he was specifically talking about WhatsApp, but I guess you can say that about any kind of uh, direct messaging WhatsApp? So bear with me. What is he saying? He's saying that the way, how easy it is for us to express love and affection with direct messaging Right? Like, it's much easier to send somebody, like, a heart emoji or a kiss emoji instead of, like, looking a person in the eye and saying, like, I like you. I would actually feel less comfortable sending the emoji. Yeah, maybe that's just you. That's just me. If I'm I can just say about, like, a test about our, like, culture, like, from a cultural perspective. Maybe. So you said that, like, in that sense, WhatsApp is like MDMA and Facebook is like acid. Okay. So WhatsApp is like MDMA and that it makes telling you love telling random strangers you love them much easier? Not random strangers, but it makes uh like you know how they say that MDMA is the love drug. It's easy to experience love when on MDMA. In the same way, it's easy to experience and accept love when you're using these like direct messaging. It could be well, Israelis use a lot of WhatsApp. We use it all the time. So maybe that's why. But you can say that about Facebook Messenger or whatever. Like, you know, the rush of oxytocin, the dopamine that you get. And yeah, that's it. You're not feeling it, hey? I'm old-fashioned. <laughs> I'll just stick to my drugs, goddammit. <laughs> these kids with their... Why can't these kids just drop acid like we did in the old days and talk to the Lone Ranger on a horse made of spaghetti? That, that, that was the good times. When you just got all your drugs from some guy named Frank who was a, like a white guy with semi-dreadlocks and track marks and you would, you would kind of go into his creepy-ass basement to do the drugs and like you'd step in Chinese food at one point. Those were the good days. <laughs> you create such elaborate scenarios that I'm sometimes like, Jake, Jake, are you sharing like a lot of information about your own personal life? Or is this like- I was just there. <laughs> I was totally there. <laughs> Seattle's a great town. Um <laughs> I, I, I will. I will say this. I don't. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't get it because something about messaging. Maybe it is exactly this makes me profoundly uncomfortable. Mm. Like, I do not use emojis very often. I do think they're like necessary because, like, sending all your messages in that sort of dead monotone. Because I do that most of the time. Like, unless again, I I'm I'm actually like trying to communicate as a 
human being <laughs> to the person on the other side. Like, it's usually a utilitarian thing. Yeah. But I understand that, like, not using, like, emojis in response is kind of like going, yes, I enjoy it too. But it's a style, yeah. Do you like The Killer's new album? <laughs> Boy, howdy, it's pretty jerkin'. Something like that. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's this weird sort of monotone delivery. Um, it's just an oddness of communication, I think. It's something yeah, I am not f- fully literate. Hmm. And, and Studio uh, 58. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a like, great transition now. So in Studio 58, something else is happening. Hot House is coming up next week. And yes, so that is <laughs> that's next Saturday, I believe. That's uh, Now, this is their end-of-year sort of showcase. Last year, that was foreplay, was it not? Yes, I believe so. For just... I, we did this last year, but the number four. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yes. Yes. And it's not, yeah. It's four, like the number, because there funny. were four different plays. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, Hot House is a 90 minute production on, and it's completely student run. So, it's the graduating class of the acting and production. Uh, course at Langara University at Langara College and they are putting up this show and let me say something about Studio 58 and Langara and basically I love them so much <laughs> um, every time I go there it's a tiny stage but they are so creative with their space um, every time it makes me so happy to see people taking what they have and just working with it and it like coming out even better than if they had like a big stage and a big production and like so cool. these big th- these big things because you know what like they're being so creative and so um, they really show the passion that it needs there needs to be to put like the effort that needs to be put to create good theater you know hmm. yeah it's really amazing with Langara because they play with the space so much. It's like it's a, it's a subterranean theater and it's pretty small. Like as far as spaces go, it's it's medium size at most, but it feels significantly bigger and they use that space like you said so well. And like I remember the skin of our teeth when they had that there, they created an ice age and then Atlantic City in the what? space of an intermission. They are so good with that. I mean, climate change might do that naturally, but <laughs> if you, if you, to do that in a theater is pretty impressive. Like, that that was like, and I remember watching that, I was like, uh, that's very impressive. And is Hot House also like a four or a few different plays, or is it no, one integrated? Hot House will be a single 90-minute play. Uh, there will be no shows on Mondays, but it will be running from the 23rd until the 31st. Uh, sorry, the 21st to the 31st. So that's 10 days. Um, and on the Studio 58 Theater. I'm trying to find the price. There are free student days. I wrote this go. down <laughs> in a place, which I lost, but I know that they exist. <laughs> it's it's kind it's kind of like, um, uh, 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 was it, was it, was it? Kierkegaard's belief in God is a leap of faith. There are free student days. Um, that That's a good way to explain On the 21st it. and the 22nd, those are free student nights. So if you are a student, go. Yeah. I mean, like, it's free theater. Why not, you know? <laughs> and it's it, it'll be a good show. Like, I don't think Langara's done a disappointing show. Oh, all tickets are 12 50 So very affordable. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. 
even if you don't can't make it to the the free student night or maybe you aren't a student <laughs> um be sure to check it out i mean 1250 that's cheaper than going to the movies <laughs> it is yeah and that's a weird thing because most of the time going to the theater would not have been cheaper than going to a movie nope Huh. Just feel like movies are really expensive right now. Uh, Can I ask, uh, where is Studio 58? So Studio 58 is on um, 100 West 49th Avenue. So if you get off 49th on the SkyTrain, hmm. 49th Station, I believe it's Canada Line. Um, it's like it literally stops right across from Langara. Yeah. Oh. Or you take the... Um, the 49 bus from UBC. Yeah. There's a lot of 49s in the picture. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a good place to get a show. There was something else that's happening, but I forgot. Yeah, uh, Cinematech doing a fun thing. Cinematech's got Francois Truffaut coming up. Uh, Four hundred blows and jewels and gems. Francois Truffaut. It no. was he was like one of the French new wave filmmakers. This this is like pretension idea or even for me. Um, <laughs> I don't like Jean Luc Godard a lot. Uh, okay, no, that's the pretension idea for me, but. Um, like, there are some people from the French New Wave who are actually, you know, like, palatable and make interesting material. Mm. Eric Romer is one of those people. They did his uh, Four Seasons last year. Uh, those really beautiful movies, like those a lot. Uh, the ones that are really like the French New Wave, though, that are, like, in it, very kind of in that uh, domain are Francois Truffaut's 400 Blows. That's kind of like the French New Wave movie. It's a coming-of-age movie. I've never actually seen 400 Blows, but I have seen the other one in the program, which is Jules and Jim, which is a really lovely story of friendship set before, during, and after the First World War hmm. between a German man and a Frenchman. And uh, they fall in love with the same woman. Wow. Drama ensues. <laughs> I thought they fell in love with each other. Well, <laughs> I, I kind of did too, thinking about the, uh, watching the movie, but that's neither here nor there. Those are coming up uh, in a little while. Check those out. Those are those will be at the Cinematech. There's a few interesting things that uh, happen at the Cinematech. They're also doing um, a picture, an animated short that combines Frida Kahlo, Emily Carr, and um, a third really interesting artist. Uh, that is called something fire. It's called Bone Wind Fire. Bone Wind Fire! <laughs> and, and it's Georgia O'Keefe. Georgia O'Keefe, yes. Uh, no relation to James, I hope. Uh, and that is also combined with a documentary called Chi about a uh, longtime uh, Vancouver art scene impresario. And that is it for us today. Um, uh, in a bit, the medicine show will be coming up. Nice. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to us. This was the Arts Report. I am Lua. I'm Jake. I'm Margarita. And see you next week. See ya. Ooh.